Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Hayburn Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is uh, Forward Radio, WFMP-LP Louisville, 106.5 FM on your radio dial. And if you want to find out a little bit more about our station, you can go to forwardradio.org. Again, this is On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and I'm K.A. Owens, and I want to begin our show... uh, I talk to you about uh, two uh, great women who uh, uh, passed on. First, I just want to mention uh, Nan J. Goheen, Prospect, Kentucky. Nan J. Goheen, age 74, Prospect, passed away on Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. Nan was preceded in death by her husband, George, her mother, Virginia, and her father, Francis. She is survived by her daughter, Robin, son-in-law, Robert, and grandchildren, Ella and Violet. Nan was born on July 11, 1946, in Paducah, Kentucky. She graduated from Paducah Tillman High School. Following high school, she attended Tulane University, where she studied psychology and graduated with honors. Nan continued her studies at the University of Colorado Boulder and New Mexico Highland University, where she obtained her master's in clinical psychology. She loved her chosen career of psychology and dedicated her life to helping others in private practice. In addition, in 1996, Nan obtained a master's in fine arts and creative writing from the Vermont College of Fine Arts, and writing became her second passion. Above all, Nan was a loving mother to her only child and devoted grandmother to her two granddaughters. She loved to dance, laugh, and be outside. She was passionate about politics and the environment. She never gave up on herself or those she cared about. Nan was on the Economic Justice Committee of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, and she was also an alternate to the steering committee for that same organization. And I'd like to recognize Cahantas Kiki Sarah Rowe, Louisville native who died in Phoenix, Arizona on March 6, 2021. Born June 18, 1979 to Sharice Malone and Douglas Wilson, Cahantas was a graduate of Doss High School a Navy veteran, and had a doctrine in metaphysics. Employed as a cybersecurity manager for Trap Technology and a martial arts instructor at Premier Martial Arts School, Cahantas was also formerly an employee of the legendary Fairness Campaign. As most of you all know, uh, the movie theaters are back open again, uh, uh, of course, with all these variants coming out of uh, nowhere. We don't know how long that'll be, but... uh, one of the last movies I saw before the pandemic was Brian Banks. And I saw this movie in 2019. And the, the movie Brian Banks was based on a true story. Uh, in 2002, 17-year-old Brian Banks was wrongfully convicted of rape. At the time of his conviction, Banks was, by all accounts, a rising football star destined to play in the NFL. Now, I'm reading now from the... Uh, uh, California Innocence Project website because it was they who finally cleared his name. A high school acquaintance, uh, Juanetta Gibson, shattered his dream one fateful day after she accused Banks of rape and kidnapping following a consensual sexual encounter on the the school campus. It was Banks' word against hers. An attorney hired by his mother, H. Elizabeth Harris, persuaded uh, young Brian Banks Uh, to plead guilty, and he ended up spending five years in 
jail. So uh, sometime later, uh, nearly a decade, uh, Gibson recanted her statements and has, has acknowledged she fabricated the whole story. The California Innocence Project presented this evidence of Banks' innocence to the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office, who launched an investigation into the case. After a thorough review of the evidence, the District Attorney's Office conceded that Banks was wrongfully convicted. On Thursday, May 24, 2012, Judge Mark C. Kim of the Los Angeles Superior Court reversed Banks' conviction and ended his nightmare of wrongful conviction. Banks said after his exoneration, it's a time when you have to let go in order to move on. The only thing I wasn't going to let go was this fight. After the hearing concluded, California Innocence Project Director Justin Brooks, in speaking to the press, asked National Football League teams to give Brian Banks a chance at football again. After Brian was exonerated, it was important for me to try and get him somewhat back to his dreams, Brooks said. Shortly thereafter, Banks received calls from six NFL teams. He tried out with the Kansas City Chiefs, San Diego Chargers, and San Francisco 49ers. Pete Carroll, who had once recruited Brian to play at USC back in 2002, invited Brian to the Seattle Seahawks minicamp to try out. Ultimately, Banks did not get signed by any team in 2012. On September 20, 2012, Brian Banks signed with the Las Vegas Locomotives of the UFL. He played in two games and made a tackle on a kickoff return before the UFL suspended its season a month later. On April 3, 2013, the Atlanta Falcons signed Brian Banks, and he began participating in the Falcons' practices and training camp. Banks made his NFL debut in a preseason game against the Cincinnati Bengals. He made two tackles in the game. He played three additional games before the Falcons released him on August 30th, 2013. Following the 2013 season, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell hired Brian Banks to work in the NFL's Department of Operations. Banks worked in the NFL's newly created replay center and also assisted with the league's social media. Banks worked for the NFL for a few years in New York before getting transferred to Los Angeles. Eventually, he resigned to pursue public speaking opportunities. If it wasn't for the California Innocence Project, I wouldn't have played football. I'd still be a convicted sex offender, Banks said. Brian Banks, Juanetta Gibson, H. Elizabeth Harris, the attorney, all black. Now I'm reading from an article uh, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution titled Falcons, Brian Banks Finally Getting His Payback. If you read into the article, it says, um, his, referring to his attorney, black attorney, H. Elizabeth Harris, his mother sold her home and car to pay for a defense attorney, H. Elizabeth Harris. That led us to nowhere, Banks said. Harris told Banks because he was black, a jury would likely find him guilty. She recommended he plead no contest, she said, because the judge would sentence him to only 90 days or at worst three years. Banks took the deal. Harris vowed to appeal. She didn't. She went on to become a judge. 
Gibson, Juanetta Gibson, sued the Long Beach, California School District. She won $1.5 million. As a note, the school district is trying to get that money back. Uh, Juanetta and her mother disappeared. Now, the real question is, why is it that after uh, years and years of, of uh, social justice activists fighting to get uh, black people into law school with full scholarships, why are black attorneys completely disrespecting black clients? Why is a black attorney like H. Elizabeth Harris literally stealing money from a black family? Why has the money that was paid to H. Elizabeth Harris not been returned? What could cause a black attorney to sacrifice a black client in that way? What could cause that? What has happened to the great legacy of the late Johnny Cochran? Johnny Cochran said that the first rule is to respect the client. Respect the client. Respect the client. For those of you old enough to remember, Johnny Cochran was one of the greatest attorneys that this country has ever produced, and he happened to be black. How can we explain the behavior of a so-called attorney uh, such as H. Elizabeth Harris? Well, if you look at how things go in America, there might be a 50% chance that she's just a typical, bad, lazy lawyer and takes people's money and gives nothing in return, at least 50% chance. So, and then we look at the other 50%, Uh, I mean, could it be that she subscribes to a kind of theology that's out there now that um, women don't lie about rape? So since the young lady said she was raped, therefore the man must be guilty. So therefore there's nothing wrong with pleading them guilty without doing any investigation or going to trial to try to prove the young man's uh, innocence. And, uh, Could it be that? Uh, Perhaps she just assumed he was guilty and uh, didn't care to investigate. Now, the real question is, why has not this attorney been disbarred? And why has not every case that she ever participated in that had to do with sexual assault been reviewed? That is the question. Because we cannot have black attorneys disrespecting black clients. We can't have black attorneys disrespecting the families of black clients. We can't have black attorneys taking money from black families and not doing what they are supposed to do. We just can't tolerate that. Now, going back to the movie, I thought the movie was was, was pretty well done. Aldous Hodge played uh, uh, Brian Banks and uh, did a pretty good job. Uh, uh, as uh, From what I read, they only, only got 63% on Rotten Tomatoes and uh, uh, cost $10 million to make and sort of made that back uh, with combined... Uh, uh, domestic and uh, international uh, sales. What is, uh, but I, I wonder if 
the reason that the movie wasn't big box office back in 2019 was because it sort of goes against the sort of current uh, sort of current belief uh, that uh, women don't lie about rape, and the movie sort of presents a situation where well, a woman actually did lie about it, uh, and so and the movie just doesn't fit into what. Uh, 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 people want to hear right now, or at least what some people want to hear. Uh, I wonder if that's the reason why the movie hasn't uh, been talked about or that much, or didn't have the big box office like Rut. But I thought it was well done. I thought, to be honest, uh, everybody in the movie did an outstanding job, uh, including the young lady who who played the. Uh, false accuser. The movie really shows how the criminal justice system works in America and probably should be shown really in every uh, high school in America. It's very, very educational in that way. There's been much talk here of late about the uh, concept known as uh, critical race theory and and just what it is and what it isn't and whether it's not uh, uh, being taught in uh, public schools or is it being taught in public schools. Uh, well, it's not being taught in public schools here in, uh, in uh, Jefferson County, at least, or anywhere in Kentucky. But however, the question may be, maybe it should be. But um, I did make some remarks uh, myself uh, at a media event on Tuesday, July 27th, 2021. And uh, that was right directly before a uh, Jefferson County uh, school board meeting. Um, The media event was on the uh, front lawn of Central High School around 5.15 p.m., on Tuesday, July 27th, 2021. And these are the remarks that I made. The good people of Jefferson County, Kentucky, are proud to support the concepts of equity, diversity, and inclusion. The good people of Jefferson County, Kentucky, have no interest in undoing the progress we have made and moving our school system forward to a place where a more accurate version of history is taught and legitimate analytical tools are used to discuss historical facts. The good people of Jefferson County understand that we are building better citizens by giving students a strong foundation upon which to base decisions now and in the future. We encourage our Jefferson County School Board to continue down the path of expanding opportunity and expanding knowledge. We are with you. Do not be deterred by the few noisy voices of those who live in an imaginary past. I happen to be a member of an organization uh, called Kentuckians for the Commonwealth and that organization's uh, longtime executive director, Burt Lauderdale, 
is retiring. And these are some remarks that I made uh, at the annual meeting, uh, Friday, July 30th, 2021, which happened to be virtual. And so uh, in regards to Burt Lauderdale's retirement. What can you say about a man who has dedicated his life to building up an organization that would have an impact on the lives of real people in significant and positive ways? He did all of this without being the front man of the organization, without sticking his face in front of a camera every five minutes, without trying to hog the spotlight. He was loyal to the grassroots philosophy that was built into the organization from the beginning. He played the true organizing role of providing ordinary, everyday people with the opportunity to develop themselves so as to be the leader the communities needed at certain points in history. He built up a first-class staff to serve the needs of the volunteers. He nurtured the staff. He made himself into the type of manager and supervisor needed to serve the components of an organization that at times has had over 30 employees assigned to a variety of tasks. What can you say about a man who truly believed in the philosophy of grassroots community organizing? A man who believed that the people were best positioned to define their own needs. A man who believed that these same people could articulate on their own behalf and on behalf of the organization. He understood that the staff was there to amplify the message of the organization, not to create it. What can you say about a man who traveled all across the country to raise funds so that the volunteer experience could be enriched and the staff could have good pay and benefits? What can you say about a man who helped build up an organization that funders, large and small, would want to support? An organization that funders, large and small, believed in. What can you say about a man who helped build up an organization that ordinary people would turn to, look to, not only to solve immediate problems, but to create a future that would benefit all the people of Kentucky? All you can say is, Bert, thank you for a job well done. Those were my remarks upon the uh, retirement of Bert Lauderdale as executive director uh, of Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. As we speak, uh, the governor of the state of Kentucky, Andy Bashir, has uh, imposed uh, another mask mandate on uh, the school children, uh, rightfully so. Uh, There's no question that the variant of COVID or COVID itself is sort of trying to make a comeback here in the United States. And uh, and it's COVID is making a comeback simply because we have so, so many hard-headed, foolish adults who won't get vaccinated. That is, they're making themselves sick and going to make their kids and everybody else's kids sick, too. So it's really a shame uh, 
you know, you've got uh, hospitals filling up and ICUs filling up. And it's also totally unnecessary. You talk about the southern states, uh, states of the old Confederacy where the uh, vaccination rates are low. Uh, hospitals are filling up down there and... Uh, the governor in Kentucky talked about how Mississippi wants the, uh, uh, you know, the Navy hospital ship. Uh, 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 and it's all because the people, uh, grown adults, won't get the shot. What a shame. What a travesty. I mean, you've got countries. Uh, I mean, I wish I could have the, the vaccines that the old Confederate states uh, of America refused to take the people who live in the old Confederate States of America. I wish I could have those vaccines so I could take them to Haiti and get those people uh, vaccinated. Uh, I wish. Uh, there's so many uh, people across the world that are desperate for vaccine. And uh, here you've got uh, a country like the United States where you've got the vaccine is available for COVID-19. And you've got uh, people who won't take it. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. Uh, and then, uh, of course, early in this program, I talked about an attorney uh, who needed to be disbarred, uh, uh, license removed, H. Elizabeth Harris. Let's talk about uh, uh, doctors as well. I mean, if you have medical doctors, uh, for example, uh, Rand Paul, who is uh, telling people they don't need to get vaccinated. Uh, that puts, uh, in my mind, that puts his uh, uh, license uh, under review. That is, uh, it has been suggested by others that uh, his license be revoked. And, and we need to think about that kind of thing, because we can't have our professionals, whether attorneys or medical doctors, uh, betraying their oath, not fulfilling their duty. Because we have so many, uh, you know, great doctors and nurses now who are real heroes, who are putting their lives on the line every day in these hospitals to save people's lives from COVID. Then you've got somebody like Rand Paul who's uh, essentially encouraging people to get sick and fill up the hospitals and make the doctors and nurses and healthcare workers sick too. Because we, we have actually lost doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers to COVID because of misinformation, miseducation, and of unfortunately coming from some political leaders and a few members of the medical establishment like Rand Paul, who was telling people they don't need to get vaccinated. And he's a, a doctor. Something is very, very wrong. And don't get me wrong, we've got some great professionals in this country that is the Lawyers of the Innocence Project that, uh, that got Brian Banks uh, cleared his name. Thank God for them. Thank God for all the innocence projects across the country. And there was uh, similar projects. Uh, 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 one is called the Centurion. We spoke about that on an earlier interview with uh, uh, Alan Maimon. 
So there are great attorneys out here really helping people and not getting paid a whole lot. Our, our, our poor public defenders, uh, you know, each and every public defender in the state of Kentucky opens over 400 cases a year. And they're only 365 days in a year. So that means that if a public defender uh, wanted to go to trial on every case, uh, he or she could not do it unless they did uh, two or three trials a day. So uh, so we need more public defenders, as a matter of fact. Uh, and uh, we need to stop making our doctors, nurses, and healthcare workers sick by refusing to get vaccines. We need to stop doing that. We are destroying our own uh, health care system with foolishness of people not getting vaccinated. Again, a disgrace. Uh, H. Elizabeth Harris, disgrace. Rand Paul, a disgrace. Uh, We need to uh, do the right thing for our people in this country. Uh, lawyers, respect the client. Doctors, live up to your oath. If folks would go out there and get vaccinated, we wouldn't even have to think about another shutdown. I like going to the movies. I like being able to uh, uh, go to concerts and go to events with other human beings, to actually have face-to-face meetings of organizations and to discuss the great issues of the day. I enjoy all of that. That is, I'm not a big fan of Zoom. However, I will say that uh, it's mighty convenient uh, in the sense uh, that with Zoom, uh, uh, you know, it saves a lot of gas money because you could just sit in your house and go to meetings on Zoom. However, I think it's a little bit good, a better human experience to be with other uh, uh, real live human beings. So, The best way to avoid a shutdown is for folks to get vaccinated. Get the shots in your arm. And that way we can, you know, keep our economy going and and just do the things that we're used to doing. Uh, And if we have to wear a mask, do it. Uh, If our kids have to wear a mask, uh, let's do it. Uh, We're just trying to keep people alive. And then harassing uh, our public officials, because they're trying to save our lives. I mean, uh, another disgrace was that Marty Polio, the superintendent of Jefferson County Public Schools, was harassed uh, by an irate citizen in the parking lot of, uh, uh, of Van Hoos. Uh, Marty Polio is trying to do the right thing for all the children and the employees of Jefferson County Public Schools. Please don't harass him in the parking lot when he's just trying to do the right thing for everybody. And don't harass and insult uh, Governor Andy Bashir when he's doing the right thing. I mean, we've come to a sad state in our country when uh, you have uh, irate citizens harassing public officials for doing the right thing. For doing the right thing. I mean, uh, we need to show... Uh, some respect for people who are doing the right thing. I mean, there's some uh, a superintendent way out there somewhere and, uh, 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 you know, uh, seems to think that uh, uh, having the, the children wear masks has something to do with liberalism. Uh, no, 
It has nothing to do with liberal or conservative. It has to do with science and health. Yes, the science shows that, you know, wearing masks is something we need to do to protect our health. Nothing to do with liberal or conservative. No, no. So, folks, uh, let's snap out of it out there. Do the right thing. I mean, uh, there's reason to be hopeful if only we will show a little common sense. I mean, uh, good old Joe, I mean, President Joe Biden is trying to be the next Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the sense that he's uh, what FDR did was save capitalism for 100 years. And Joe Biden is trying to save capitalism for the next 100 years. And he will do it, too, if people will get out of his way. There is reason to be hopeful, folks. So uh, so you've been listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we'll be back next week on 106.5 FM.